Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You are listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Podcast. This podcast was created for entrepreneurs who are seeking motivation, digital marketing tips, personal development resources, and a nice dose of comic relief. Now for your host, Jason Wright. What's going on, everybody? Jason Wright here. Excited to be bringing you episode number 100. 100. Not too bad. It only took us... 20 months, 20 months, episode 100, um, excited to hit this milestone. Uh, I figured it would come more quickly, but you really don't know what to expect. But in hindsight, as I review some of this history with it, you'll see kind of what it went into it before we jump into anything today. And we, we are talking to a, a great guest today as well, but I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time in the front and the back of the show talking to you about the first hundred episodes of the podcast and where we're going from here. Before we get into any of that, I'm very excited to also announce that my first book is now published in for sale. It's called The Backwards Route to Forward Progress, Seven Solutions for Crushing Fear, Self-Doubt, and Limiting Beliefs. If you guys would like to check that out, you can go to thebackwardsroutebook.com. That is available in ebook and in print. So all kinds of exciting stuff happening today. Now, the history of this podcast, I mean... It all began April 2nd of 2016. I heard what a podcast was in, I think, March. And then very, very quickly afterwards, I launched the show. No clue who I was talking to. And I've mentioned that before. Um, no clear direction on where I was going. Just knew I had a lot to say. And I thought I might be able to impact people based on what I've been able to do with uh, a blog before that. So um, within eight weeks of launching, we got new and noteworthy in business, health, and self-help. So that was kind of cool. Uh, had no idea who I was talking to for the longest time. And after six episodes, I thought, you know what? It might be more interesting for people to listen to if I had a guest. So episode seven was the first time I had a guest. And since then, including the guest today, I've talked to more than 60 on the air. So that's uh, that's racked up to a pretty good number. And it's been uh, it's been a really great experience for me, honestly. It's helped me build some good relationships. There's a lot of people I still talk to you know, regularly. Uh, it's given me a lot of confidence in my speaking, not only on the mic, but in front of people as well. And I've had the opportunity to help some others start their own podcast, which is super rewarding for me. So very cool stuff. Um, you learn a lot. You know, I thought I learned a lot after 20 episodes, but 100's a good number. By the time you get to 100, you know what works for you. You know what doesn't work for you. You figured out the equipment stuff. You know, I used to try to edit the sound myself. I've had a great team member, Steven, for quite a while now, who's responsible for making the show sound as good as it does. So a lot of things learned there, but um, all good stuff, all exciting stuff. If you guys haven't been around for a while, I challenge you, go back and listen to some of those real early episodes and uh, you'll see how different it was, uh, you know, both for me and kind of the content standpoint and the sound quality and all that good stuff. So enough about me and the show for now. Um... Let's focus on the guest today. I'll be talking to Awilda Rivera, and she's a really cool guest, awesome story, 
Um, really good time talking with her. It's been a while. We've had the podcast recorded a while and just now getting it released. So um, it's worth the wait, though. I think you guys will really enjoy this conversation. So let's check that out now without any further ado. What is happening, everybody? I've got another great guest with me this week. I've got Awilda Rivera with me, and let me tell you what I know about Awilda. She is a success coach. She is a certified yogi and a spiritual advisor as well. Awilda, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jason. I'm super excited to be here today and to connect with your audience. Awesome. So you have an interesting story. I've read a little bit about it on your site. Uh, tell me specifically about that transition from law school to entrepreneurship. Yeah, so basically, you know, I'm a child of the, I'm embarrassed to say, Cosby Show era. Um, so <laughs> so I my pretty, pretty uh, <laughs> strong tunnel vision there throughout my academic career. And to cut a long story short, <clears throat> I tried various aspects of the law while I was in law school. I worked at the attorney general's office in-house. I worked corporate in-house at Prudential Financial. I worked as a clerk. And what I found was that it was almost like Goldilocks. None of the beds that I got in felt right. None of the porridges were the right temperature. Um, and I had this overwhelming sense that the sort of deep passion with which I wanted to help people wasn't going to be satiated through the law. Um, and at that time, you know, sometimes the universe works in mysterious ways. And um, I had just ended a relationship and, you know, that's a good time for new beginnings. And I said to myself, okay, well, I'm just going to explore the nonprofit sector. I'm going to explore sort of the other things that I can do. And through that process, the sort of the voice in my mind and in my heart got louder and louder saying, okay, you need to just, as we say in Spanish, get some cojones and get out there and just, and try something. You can keep rolling these ideas around in your mind forever, but that's really not going to get you anywhere. You have to do something. So I had the opportunity to move to Atlanta to work at a startup as a director of operations. And I thought that would be an incredible opportunity for me to really start getting my feet wet in the entrepreneurial world, at least learning a lot of those sort of administrative skills or being reminded of them in, in, you know, in other words, so that I could really launch my business. And through doing that, I really, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, my heart wasn't happy. It didn't make my heart sing. All I felt I was doing was making someone else's dream a reality. And I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I, I just had to take the plunge. I just took the plunge and started out with just a small part of my business being clear, which was the spiritual advisement part and had faith and commitment in working that and, and starting to build sort of a, a reputation for lack of a better word in the Atlanta community and in on the East coast for those services and realized that that spectrum of humans was very small. So then I widened that spectrum through yoga, but still noticed that that was still small. And then ultimately, you know, got a magnifying glass out and said, okay, what is my magnifying glass? How can I see the most people? Um, and that was success coaching. And so through becoming a certified success coach, I really had that moment where I was like, oh, okay, now my business is complete. These are the three arms of my business. Um, 
So kind of to say it more succinctly and articulately, um, part partially chance, partially my conscious and my heart and my mind simply being fed up with trying to do what I thought I was supposed to do and realizing that if I wanted to be happy, I had to make an effort to do what I wanted to do in an earnest way. Very nice. Very, very nice. So before you got to law school, I mean, when you were growing up, did you ever even think about, you know, maybe I want to be an entrepreneur or the thought never really seriously into your mind? I mean, it was one of those things, uh, you know, I'm from New York, I'm Puerto Rican. So if anyone knows New Yorkers or Puerto Ricans, you know, they have like a zillion side hustles. <laughs> so I grew up in a family where everyone always had like a side hustle, you know, like my dad had a job, but he also sold jewelry. You know, my mom, she's still, you know, she's, you know, she came up in the streets like peddling, you know, she had her table, she'd sell her goods and then she'd go work inside and she'd sell more goods. And so for me, you know, having a, I guess what we would call now a alternate income stream or, you know, revenue streams was something that just always was. I didn't think of it as anything um, sort of novel. For me, the idea of becoming like a lawyer or a doctor would have been different, right, mm -hmm. um, than what I grew up around. But I realized that where I excelled and what I needed to do and the theme throughout my life was always helping others. And I know it probably sounds a little corny or maybe even disingenuous for those of you who, who obviously have never heard of me before, but I get so invested in my clients. Um, and it's been that way ever since I was a little kid. Like one of my first jobs was as an advisor for students going through the same academic enrichment program that I was getting into. And I would constantly get sort of pulled aside by my superiors and say, listen, you can't take it so personally. You can't get so invested. You know, you're there to guide them, but you know, they're not your kids. <laughs> you know, you're just 14 or whatever. They're 10. And Similarly, I've, I've carried that advice with me, but I still get invested in my clients. I mean, I have clients that are not even currently in cycle with me that still text me and are like, oh man, my job interviews are going really great. I want to keep you posted because they know that I care. Well, and the beauty of that is if they need anything in the future, you know, they're going to come back around, you know, you've got that relationship there. Of course, of course. Very, very cool story. I love that. I love everything you just said. So, you know, it's it's funny because you had a moment where you were the director at that startup. And I had a moment like that as well where you kind of realize there's there's two outcomes here with my work. I'm either working towards making myself rich or somebody else rich. And, you know, so, most people are okay with making somebody else rich, but it uh, it just feels really strange. You know, I, I can do the employee thing to survive and that type of thing, but it just doesn't ever feel natural. It feels very, very unnatural. So, well, how has coaching played into your journey and the journey of those you now coach? So, you know, from doing a little bit of coaching myself, I know you get, you know, more out of it than maybe even the clients do sometimes. How's that impacted you? Yeah. On, and you know, it's so funny. My, my arm hairs are like standing up. Um, and I, that always for me is sort of an energetic sign that like, it's almost a, a somatic expression of like the positivity that I feel. Um, and honestly, being a coach changed my life in the sense that I was able to put a name to something that I had been doing for free for years um, and finally getting 
very crystallized in the process and the tools to help people make measurable, tangible change. And then not only, okay, taking someone through a journey and having them come out on the other side positively, I mean, that feels great. But more than anything, knowing that I provided a service of value that they actually found worthwhile enough to finish the whole process. I've never out of, I think, you know, just to use a, a round number, let's say out of a hundred clients, I've only maybe had two not finish their cycles. And it was because of financial reasons, not because they weren't unhappy with coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had probably 60 to 70% of my clients are, you know, they come back for a second or third cycle. I've had some clients that have been with me for over a year, not because they can't reach their goals, but because every three months when they've reached another goal, they're like, okay, now I want to work on this. So, you know, having return clients, having clients that trust me enough to continue on their journey with me is not just special for me, but it's validating any of you guys out there that are just on the beginning journey of your business, whether you have a product or a service, when you get those first clients that really see benefits from what you're doing, it validates all that hard work. It validates, you know, taking those risks, making those sacrifices. You know, if I had a nickel for every time someone in my family was like, so you don't want to practice law? You really don't. (laughs) And I graduated in 2009. You think they would get the hint. Um, But when you have those clients that are just like, oh, man, thank you so much. You made such a difference. It makes it all worth it. Beyond that, I always tell my clients, I make the joke with them. Some of you, depending on your age, this may go right over your head. But I always tell them, listen, I'm not just a president. I'm also a member. For those of you that are old, remember Hair Club for Men. (laughs) And I, I say that because I don't just coach them and say, oh, you know, like from my ivory tower. But I apply those same things to my own life. You know, when I feel like I have plateaued, I seek out you know, mentors, partnerships, collaborations, um, resources to take me to the next level, to help me stay fresh. So I don't just tell them to do the things or help them figure out the strategic plans, but I'm also always actively working on those for myself as well. That's, that's where it's at right there. I was just talking to a guy yesterday, another podcast, and we were talking about how critical it is for us to, to really respect people that do what they talk about. You know, and, and you just said that same thing. I mean, it's funny to me that there's people out there and there's people like this probably in every profession, but they talk about stuff that they have no actual experience with. And it, it's like life experience is that big teacher there. How can you, you know, recommend this if you don't do this yourself? So that, that's that's beautiful. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about getting clarity on intentions and efficiently accomplishing objectives. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's such a huge one, especially for, you know, those beginning entrepreneurs, there's so many ideas flying around in their mind and they're just like, Oh, if I could just grab one and start off in a direction. And while that may seem like a good idea, um, anyone that's ever started a business, I know you can, you know, jump in here if I'm talking out of school, but, um, that's probably the, 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 the surest way to set yourself up for some immediate challenges. Um, and now I'm not saying that you're not going to experience challenges. Well, I mean, if anything's for certain, it's that you will experience challenges, um, when you're just starting a business. But if you have a business plan 
and this is a living document. Okay. This is something that you're going to go back in and change. And I actually am, am at the point where I need to go back in and review my business plan and make a few tweaks. But if you have a business plan, or even if you just have a 90 day plan, right. Um, there's a, there's a guy named Todd Herman. And he's one of my sort of mentor coaches. I participated in a program that he offers called the 90-Day Year. And what this program does is that it really helps you to get super clear on understanding how to create macro and micro goals within a 90-year time, I mean, a 90-day year time frame that allows you to execute, execute, execute. Now, you might be like, okay, well, why did she say execute three times? It's because when you execute, you're actually doing the things that move the needle forward. Too often, we get caught up in the idea phase. We get caught up in the, well, it'd be nice if I did this, or what if I tried that, or let me try all these things. And the truth is, is that the if you take the time to say, okay, well, what I, what do I want to do? I'll just make up a person. Let's say there's an IT person, and they've been working, but they want to start their own IT consulting firm. The great thing is that person already has the internal resources. They know how to do IT, but they need a website. They need a business card. They need to understand what their target market is. They need to identify where is their target market? How do they reach them? Are they going to go in person? Are they going to do online marketing? Um, what are, what is their value proposition? How much are they going to charge? So right there, all of those things need to be figured out. And you can't very well do them out of order, right? You can't say, okay, well, I'm going to head out there and just start handing out cards if you don't know what your value proposition is, if you don't know what your target market is, and if you don't know what you're going to charge. So part of what I specialize in is helping people really identify what is step one. What is success to them? What would success look like for them if they could say, okay, in three months, I would be successful if X. And then we reverse engineer that chronologically step-by-step step, and create those action steps that are going to go and lock into each other one after another that are going to create that inevitable outcome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, the, the thing you said about just execute, 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 it really, uh, really gets my attention because it's all about the action. You know, there's so many talkers out there. At least I know so many talkers. All they do is talk about what they're going to do. And they don't ever do anything. So a challenge that I'll give people and see what you think about this is they'll tell me about an idea, business idea, something like that. And I'll say, all right, you're telling me about that today. Go home tonight and do something towards that today. And they're like, whoa, whoa, I'm not, I'm not ready. Well, what are you waiting for? Well, I want to, I want to start in four years. Well, what's going to be different in four years? I said, don't even answer that because you have no idea what your life's going to look like in four years. There's nothing stopping you from taking action towards that today, but fear. And fear is not mm -hmm. real. Point to fear. Show me where fear is at, and they never can. It's not real. It's, in t it's not tangible. So it's all about action. I, I agree so much. And you said something way earlier in the conversation I didn't address, and uh, I want to now because I, I like it. But you started off with your business in one area, and you realized, hey, there's not enough. And you made a slight pivot, and you, you added more. And you made a slight pivot, and you added more. And here you are. And that's so, so important for people listening because it doesn't matter how excited you are about your idea. It matters how the clients see it. You know, if there's not enough of a demand and you insist on building a business on something, it may not work out for you. You've got to be 
flexible. You've got to have that mindset that the business plan is a living document. Like she said, it, it's going to change. There's going to be opportunities to go in other directions. And uh, no, I, I think that's all really well said. Yeah, I would just to piggyback on that, I would say that, you know, the most important thing to know is when you're starting a business is that it might not end up looking how you thought, but where you end up is where you're supposed to be. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Well, this would be interesting. Um, what are the most common three obstacles that get in the way of startups? And I'm sure you could pick a whole bunch, but what are three uh, that you see quite a bit? I mean, one is definitely fear, right? Fear just, oh, you know, almost being paralyzed by it. Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? And then not doing anything, as you mentioned. But then also fear in terms of when they actually have done something, putting it out there. So not just the initial action, but then the secondary action. So I've seen people that they got the, their, you know, maybe it's not their, their forever business card, but they got a little business card. They, they got their elevator speech and they have sort of a, an initial price that they want to charge, but nobody knows. They're not going to any events. They're not talking to anyone. They're not telling anyone. They're not even putting a little note on Facebook like we're nothing. So it's almost like now they've done this work, but it's in a vacuum. Um, and so it's not getting any exposure. And if you're not getting any exposure, then you can't make any money. If you're not making any money, you just have a hobby, not a business. Mm -hmm. I couldn't so agree more. That's one of them. The second thing I would say is um, – self-alienation, the idea that you have to be so busy all the time because now you're an entrepreneur running your own business. And that means that from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, you need to be in front of the computer, just writing, I don't know what, um, by yourself. Um, and so that I think is a real dangerous pitfall, um, because it, it, spins out into a lot of things. It spins out into isolation, spins out into, um, you know, an unreasonable and unsustainable amount of output and in terms of just being busy to be busy, but not necessarily being productive per se. Um, and it also creates burnout because there's no balance. Um, so that's the second one that I would say is, is a big one. And then the third one that I would say is a big one is being too married to your original idea, which we just kind of talked about, but you have to really be flexible. You have to be open to pivoting, to shifting, to, um, realizing what the market wants and how you can satisfy that. Because let's say, Again, I'm going to make a random example, but let's say you're a chimney sweep, you know, to go Mary Poppins. You're a chimney sweep, and that's what you want to do. You just, you love that job. You just, but now no one has chimneys anymore. So you can still have your job. You can be like, well, this is what I do, and this is all my company offers. Or you can come into the modern age and offer maintenance for gas fireplaces or, you know, pivot so you can still be relevant in the market. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll be obsolete. Absolutely. So smart. You know, what's crazy is I still meet people that don't even use computers. Oh, those magic boxes are just a fad. I'm like, eh, I don't think so. Don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, very nice. Um, can you imagine going back into like the corporate world now, like at this point? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it would have to be a really, 
it would have to really meet a lot of what I am currently doing and allow certain flexibility that I don't know if any company would actually allow it. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I never say never simply because, um, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways that I could, you know, connect with the corporate world in terms of consulting on a long-term basis, mm -hmm. which may look like going back there. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I'll never say never, but I couldn't see it. You know, like I don't right now see that happening. I only see myself, you know, working to land larger coaching and consulting contracts with you know, nonprofit organizations, small organizations, law firms, and continuing to, you know, run my international wellness retreats and, you know, continue working with my clients because that's what I'm really focused on. Now, if Google comes out of the woodwork and says, hey, we'll pay you $500,000 a year to, you know, head up our internal professional development program and to develop a wellness curriculum then i probably would say yes they would see they would seal the deal and say we have free wi-fi <laughs> yeah exactly uh, you know and I, i'd probably say cool and i would try it for at least for a year yeah um but it would have to be something that really allows me to use my strengths like i'm definitely not looking to just go and like fill out a bunch of Excel, Excel spreadsheets anywhere, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned something just a second ago that I hadn't heard all show. What is the international wellness retreat? What is that all about? Yeah. So I host international wellness retreats. Um, I did one in February to Nicaragua and by the, that was yoga and surfing. And by the time this airs, I would have uh, already done one to Cuba um, that is a wellness and cultural immersion. That'll be yoga, meditation, and sort of experiencing what Cuba has to offer. Um, and then in April, I'll be doing one to Barbados. Um, that will be yoga, meditation, and cultural immersion as well. Um, and these trips are really, I, I don't call them yoga retreats because they're not your typical yoga retreat. I, I call them escapes. So Nicaragua escape, Cuba escape, Barbados escape, and any other country from now on escape. Um, because you're not required to do anything, right? I'm, I'm a firm believer that people benefit most. This is why I coach, this is why I do yoga. People benefit most from the action that they want to take and seeing that through. So because of that, you're not required to come to any of the yoga classes or meditation classes or excursions. You're free to do whatever you want, right? Because one day you may not feel like practicing yoga. One day you might just want to hang out on the beach because you're having a real meditative moment on your own. And you're really decompressing from being at home wherever you are on the retreat. Um, but it's also because it's more about rejuvenating, relaxing, and having some fun. Um, a lot of times people hear yoga retreat and they're like, oh God, it's going to be like a vegetarian two yoga required a day. Like everyone talking about their spirit all the time. Um, <laughs> and I'm, you know, and I don't believe in that. I'm not a vegetarian. You know, I occasionally like to have a gin and soda, you know, or, or a nice Cuban cigar, and I really believe that if you provide people with the environment and the option 
to do things that are going to make them feel at their best and you trust them to make those choices, then they're going to choose whatever's best for them. And that's how they're going to have the best experience. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, they're almost like a soul cation, mm -hmm. but I can't use that term because someone I know already like trademarked it. Um, but it's, it's just an escape. It's an opportunity to get away from the normal, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work at a nine to five to get away, to get to a better beautiful place and to be with like-minded people who are all there simply to relax and enjoy and potentially move their bodies and explore their minds in a way that's going to allow them to operate at their highest level. Mm -hmm. I like that approach a lot. I think that'll be, uh, how have they been? Have they been pretty successful as far as people getting interested? Yeah, yeah. yeah they've been pretty successful. I mean, the, like I said, my very first one was in February and we had seven people. Um, the one in for Cuba is in October and the deadline is August. Well, the deadline will be August 15th, but it just got pushed to August 30th. And we already have five people signed up with another three or four people who said that they were, you know, going to be signing up in the next few days or weeks. So, you know, they're, I, I think, uh, well, I know what I feel is that it's all about, you know, combining a location people really want to go to mm -hmm. with, you know, an energy that they can get with, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of the people that are coming on these trips have met, me in person in one of many ways either they know me or they've come to one of my yoga classes or if they haven't met me personally you know they know someone who's had a reading by me or they're a part of one of my professional networks or alumni networks um because a lot of it has to do with and and for you business guys you know that are listening so much of your success in business has to do with no like and trust do they know you? Do they like you? And do they trust you? Because if they feel like they know you, even if they haven't met you and spent a bunch of time with you, they feel like, okay, they can assess that you're a good person. That's the first part of the battle. If they like you, if they're like, okay, you know, I can relate to this person, it helps them feel safe. And if they can trust you, if you are offering something that they can objectively assess is of value and they know that you're not going to take advantage of them or lead them astray, then you have a client for life. Mm -hmm. Very and even nice. if they don't come back every time, they're going to refer people. Absolutely. No, all very well said. Well, if you think about um, just the rest of this year or maybe the next six months, what, what's next for you? What are the big things you're focused on for your business? <sighs> Yeah, the big things that I'm focused on for my business right now are creating some really powerful collaborations. So this year, I did a lot on the sort of podcast guest circuit. I have, counting this one and the ones that haven't aired, probably about 20 or so, maybe 25 podcasts out there floating in the world. You've been busy. Um, yeah, that I've guested on as a part of sort of growing my exposure and growing my base and just getting my message out there to as many different people as possible. So the next, you know, six months, the end of this year, beginning of next year is going to still be more of the same, um, but really more focused on uh, sort of content, really creating some really good content, really bolstering um, the success suite, um, which is a free Facebook group that I have where I post sort of success tips and little challenges around that and sort of things that, 
people who, whether you're trying to develop yourself personally or professionally are things that are good to know. So sort of things like, you know, be yourself, you know, around the no like and trust or create professional alliances or, you know, plan your week on Sunday, things that people may take for granted or may not acknowledge are actually really powerful tools for being successful. Um, but then also, um, focusing on powerful collaboration. So I have a friend who I'm working on collaborating right now, who's actually a, a career coach who writes for HuffPo. So he and I went to college together. We reconnected and we're looking to put out, you know, a, a content series, um, on HuffPo to just get some more exposure for both of us and to really build that brand, um, down the line somewhere. I don't. I don't want to misspeak on when, but I am sort of thinking about either publishing a small, you know, like a short book or a course or something, but I'm still kind of solidifying and really getting clear on what exactly that's going to look like and how exactly I'm going to approach that. So my priority is really just continuing to, you know, put out some really great content to push myself to, you know, collaborate with some, some great minds and some, some other experts in the field, um, and continuing to, you know, reach out to podcasts like yours, where I believe that there are, you know, listening ears that would find value in my message so that I can really connect with as many people as possible, because, you know, at the risk of sounding like a big dork, all I really care about is helping people. You know, when people talk about their legacy and what they want to leave behind, I want to leave behind a legacy of, you know, wow, she, she really was good at helping people identify what success was for them and helping them get there. Mm -hmm. at any stage of their life, you know, whether they're a CEO that already experienced what they thought was success and they're moving into a different stage of their life, or whether they're a 35 year old, you know, engineer at Google who is really blazing a trail and wants to be sure that they continue to rise to the top. Um, just because that's, that's what I love to do. Mm -hmm. And my thought is if you're here on earth and you're not making an impact on others, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? So very well said. Um, what's the best way to contact you? If somebody listening would like to connect with you, how, sh how can they do so? Yeah, I'm always, um, you can always reach me through awildarivera.com. That's A-W-I-L-D-A-R-I-V-E-R-A.com. I'm on LinkedIn at Awilda N. Rivera. I'm also on Instagram, Ms.AwildaRivera, and on Facebook, Awilda Rivera Coach Yogi Spiritual Advisor. Um, just for you guys listening, if you're like, oh, man, like it'd be cool to have a success coach, but like I don't know if that's something that's good for me. You know, I offer complimentary consultations. They're, you know, about 30 to 45 minutes, and it's an opportunity just for you to connect with me to know if I'm a good fit for you, if, if you're a good fit for the process, if the process resonates with you, um, and that's a no strings attached. So I would definitely recommend that to anyone that is interested in potentially exploring that. You know, the one thing I would say about coaching, especially for people in that beginning first two or three years of their business, is that having a strategic planning partner who helps you be accountable is a powerful tool. You know, individuals like Bob Nardelli, the former CEO of Home Depot, 
you know, has a famous quote that says he doesn't believe anyone can reach their full potential unless they're coached. And this is someone that was a CEO and still was coached after he was a CEO because he realized that when you have that person in your corner whose sole focus is making sure you're rising to the top as quickly as possible and who's going to call you on your BS when you don't deliver, but in a in a positive way that helps you recalibrate and refocus, it's really a powerful and invaluable tool. Mm -hmm. Very, very nice. And I was going to say earlier, for anybody who's not familiar with HuffPo, that's the Huffington Post. Huffington oh, Post. Oh, right. Sorry. So, yeah. No, you're fine. All right. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on today. I thank you very much for your time and uh, definitely want to keep in touch. Well, thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys found at least one little morsel of value in the conversation and you guys know where to find me if you want to connect all right thank you thanks all right we are back to the main show the wilda thank you once again and guys if you want to check out the show notes from this podcast you can go to intentionally inspirational.com forward slash episode 100 and i've just mixed up the the website a little bit so i've made it more easy to navigate via mobile. So all the past episodes are still there, but you have to go to the podcast page and there's a link that says for past guests, click here. So that way there's not drop down menus. It's not real, wasn't real easy to navigate via mobile. So everything's still there, but a lot of hidden pages. So intentionallyinspirational.com episode or forward slash episode 100. And then I wanted to talk to you briefly about the future of the show. So going forward, what am I going to try to accomplish you know, recently we've tweaked our focus a little bit. Um, still talking to entrepreneurs. Um, we'll get into digital marketing tips and strategies more and more because that's not going away. You know, whether it's social media or eBooks or anything that represents you and your company in a digital way, it's all digital marketing. It all fund falls under that big umbrella. And as you know, you know, motivation and digital marketing, in my opinion, the two areas where most entrepreneurs struggle the most. Um, they may be doing good for a couple years, but then they get snagged up mentally or sales start to dry up and they don't know why. So those things are kind of in our front and center. So you can expect more of that in the future. I'm going to continue to get conversations with great guests. I'm going to probably look at doing more co-hosted shows in the future as well. And voice is only going to grow. So if you guys listening don't have a podcast, uh, it's a great time to get involved. It's only going to become more important as we progress as a, as a world forward into the future. So still can get involved before it gets, uh, you know, it's biggest, but this is a good time to get, uh, get going in the future. We might possibly go back to two shows a week. Not sure about that. Um, one show's manageable two is a lot more work, but, uh, something we may look at. And then I want to commit to just keep bringing you value, inspiration, and great content. So all I've got for you guys today. Uh, appreciate it. Check out the book again, thebackwardsroutebook.com. Let me know what you think about that. Thanks for hanging out with me for 100 episodes. See you around for 100 more. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Intentionally Inspirational. You can keep up with all of our new episodes on CastBox, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We look forward to having you join us again next week for another great episode.